Yeah, I'm recording now. Hold on, who's gonna do the I'm, clap? I'm, I'm recording my screen so that when you guys do a clap, my mic should pick it up, and then I'll put my headphones back in. So. Great intro music. Anyway, uh, welcome. Here we are at the with the Cold Bow Podcast. Hey y'all. We're hey. sitting here. Hey. Uh, What's with, up, everyone? Uh, Jake is here, and we got uh, Reese. I'm here. Oh, uh, here. I'm Chris. I'm I'm here too. And the last person that's here with us is Troy. Go ahead, sir. That'd be that'd be me. <laughs> I'm, I I am here. Just not in person. He's he's skyping in with us, and so things are a little. So you're you're in the closet right now, correct? I am in my garage. You're like closet. So that is now. that like is Mark false. Maron. He's in his garage like Mark Maron. You're like clo- you're like Tom Cruise. We our podcast is basically the same as Mark Maron's. Yeah, same quality, same level, same guests, ish. <laughs> so what have we been doing? What are, um. I guess I'll go first. I just finished a Netflix series called the fourth season of Peaky Blinders. Hmm. That show, I know I've talked to you guys about it before, but that show is incredible. Cillian Murphy is one of the best actors out there. Is that how you pronounce it? Is it Cillian? I'm yes. pretty sure. Cillian. Troy's our resident Irish her. expert. I thought, is it Chilean? C- Cillian Murphy. I'm pretty... Oh, you have to I'm say pre- it like a... <laughs> Cillian yes. <laughs> Murphy. Cillian Murphy. Never uh, heard of her. He is the best. He's so good, and he's great in that movie and or in that show. And that show is absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. So if you haven't seen it, get on it. I think I watched the first three episodes, and I didn't stop watching it because I didn't enjoy it. I think I just got sidetracked by something, but I'll have to pick it back up. Dude, yeah. you gotta you gotta get on that. I like will. Peaky Blinders is legit. I'm it's probably so never gonna watch it. I know Chris doesn't like things that other people like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I heard you. Statement. I didn't hear of it first, so I can't watch it. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one here with black rim glasses and a mustache, and Chris. There's a lot of beards the, here. <laughs> there is a lot of beards here. I'm wearing a shirt with cats. Jake on doesn't it. have one. I don't have one. I have the. Beginnings of a mustache that makes me look more like a Wookiee with a hormone disorder. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Anyway, what have you been up to, Reese? Uh, I actually started a new job. That's been fun. So, But you got Monster Hunter, right? I did get Monster Hunter. So you're playing we, it by yourself? No, I, I'm, I have a couple friends that I play with. Dude, you're breaking my heart. You're not playing with us right now. Well, you guys have PlayStations, and we I'm have, not about that. We have that. the superior console. We have the superior, superior controller. I'm not even going to engage in this conversation. Because <laughs> you're going to lose, that's why. Well, I just bitch, 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 bitch. <laughs> yeah, Reese. Um, I loved Monster Hunter. It was fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it quite it a lot. It was. You're yeah. not done. Yeah. Well, I haven't played in like... A week and a half. Know, I'm I'm enjoying it significantly. Uh, it's it's. I tried it alone. Not a fun game alone. It's I still agree. pretty fun alone. Though. Yeah, but when when you have your buddies and you're 
killing monsters, and that's that's pretty fun. It's good stuff. But yeah, that's what I've been up to. So not to, get, not to bring this down here, but we, we have a friend who's, whose son passed away recently, and we play with him, and he said that it's been the most therapeutic thing that he's done since the funeral. That's awesome. Just to get online and play with us and get lost in this huge world. I've been more in touch with him yeah. over the past month and a half since I got Monster Hunter than I have in the last three years. Yeah. Probably. And you haven't played in a week. That's great. And I haven't played in a week. Jose and I but, get on every night. Like, we'll just build one set of armor go on like four or five hunts and that's it i need to i need to get on again because yeah. i love talking to him he's fantastic well son of a bitch now i'm gonna have to go buy a ps4 because i'm sitting over here crying yeah yeah you're well. gonna have to <laughs> so chris bitch, what have you bitch, been up bitch, to bitch 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, playing monster hunter i just uh started a new book on audio audio audible 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 yeah I'm um, reading Steelheart series from Brandon Sanderson. Basically, oh. anything from Brandon Sanderson I'm reading right now. Oh. So he's, he's kind of like a fantasy Stephen King. All of his books are connected, and once you find that out, it makes you still want to keep reading them. <laughs> so I, I actually just started the the Mistborn series. Yeah, on Audible I'm I'm reading well. Mistborn right now. Oh, it, it's I, I love it. I so, might listen to it because it's really hard to get into at first. It's pretty slow at first, but yeah. it's super good. I love it. Hey, real quick. Yeah. I just started a new audiobook on Audible. Yeah. Just a quick shout out. It's called Scythe by Neil Schusterman. Never heard of him. And future world controlled by AI. Death is nothing, is something that we've surpassed. Everybody has like little nanos, nanobites, nanobots in their body. And the only way that they can tr- control population. Nano or is nano? What I don't care, whatever. Little robots no, no. in Little their robots. blood that there's no such thing as disease or death or whatever. And the only way they control overpopulation is by these scythes that are above the law and they kill kind of like sort of like Judge Dredd, I guess. I, I like the premise. So it's might, pretty cool. It I'm out. very early on in it, but I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Sorry, quick yeah, shout I'll, out. I'll there check you go. It out. Right on. Um but yeah, Brandon Sanderson's my jam right now. Like I, I, awesome. I'm caught up in the Stormlight Archive. Those books are 1,300 pages long each. Um, so anything else. So he's like Stephen King. Yeah. It's like anything, a, it's like reading the Bible. Writes, I'll check out right now. I love it. And I was actually reading it. And my mom's like, "Why don't you read the Bible next?" And I was like, "Cause that's lame." Because uh, I want your mother is Hungarian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the funny thing is, like, I Why try don't you to read do, the Bible next. I try, <laughs> I try to do a Spanish accent, and I'm Spanish, and I can't. <laughs> I just like sound like more of an idiot. <laughs> that's that's, that's awesome, Troy. What are you up to? I play a little bit of video games, mostly just uh, NBA 2K. Nice. Get my ass kicked on that. Um, and then I actually started playing uh, Friday the Thirteenth again, and they actually they made that game better, and it's it's so fun. I was playing. By the way, last I had that game too on PlayStation, getting, and you can't play with me. I was getting <laughs> hunted by uh, by Jason and. My wife was sitting next to me and she was freaking out because that game will legit kind of not necessarily scare you, just jump scare you. You know what I mean? But um, I've been meaning like to Slenderman. Slen- like Slenderman? Yeah. That that it's, game it's is scary. Like Slenderman. Oh, it's scary. No, it's it's I, I think I know what game you're talking about. The one that Chris showed me a few years ago. It's it's nothing like that. Okay. It's the way it started is is uh, and I think I talked about this before, but Friday the thirteenth game started out as a Kickstarter where they were just trying to make a generic like slasher video game where anyway, where you just have one, one person is the killer and then the rest of the people are 
counselors or students or kids or whatever. But then the Friday the 13th franchise bought it and then they made it all about Jason and then the counselors. And then you play in the different spots where Jason was. So like and, uh, lots, it's, of, it's lots of teenagers it's a lot of fun. naked, intense, getting killed. It's actually after that. It's like just the slashing part. Oh. So not the good stuff. Dang it. <laughs> like the main reason you'd watch a Friday the 13th movie is not in the game. So it's a different kind of a money shot. Uh, the blood splashes. Yep, the blood splatter. The person behind them. There's gotcha. there's some pretty good kills in that game. I'll I'll be honest with you. There are some pretty funny and awesome kills. Anyway. <laughs> Sweet. Right on. Cool. Well, let's move on. We'll uh, we'll get on with our uh, with our show. We're going to start off with our uh, with our popular segment of I'll do anything once, and uh, I'm going to hand this over to Troy as he's the one that that gave us our assignment this this last time. Sounds good. Thank you. So I want to preface this by saying that I, I picked this artist. Uh, her name is Kina Granis. And I picked her not, not necessarily because I am like in love with her or I like her. I wanted to get a genuine reaction from you guys to see what you guys thought. So I was at work and this, uh, this girl I work with, she was, she was humming uh, The Middle by Jimmy Eat World, right? She was just humming it, but she was humming it really slowly. And just in this way, I, you know, it piqued my curiosity because I love that song. Right. And I love, I love Jimmy world. So I asked her what it was. And then she showed me Kina Granis and I listened to some more of her stuff and I was blown away by some things, underwhelmed by other things. And I just kind of was interested in the style of, of doing these covers. Not all of her music is covers, but doing these covers in just this really, really slow type of like just calm way and it was i don't know the song the middle it, it got to me because i was like oh wow i've never heard it like this before and i was really intrigued by it so anyway i chose keenan granis because i genuinely wanted to see how you guys felt about it so let's uh let's get some reactions on that um should we start with uh should we start with chris me yeah oh, all right so i listened to her Almost like the next day after you told me to, I listened to your playlist, and your playlist is she she sings a bunch of covers, right? Right. Well, okay. So to preface, she sings the playlist is only we're, covers. We're way but she past does prefaces. sing, right? She does sing other stuff, other original content, but the playlist I picked was only covers. That's why I yeah. Wanted so the to playlist give you that you made playlist. for us was only covers. Yes. Now, <clears throat> I have an opinion on covers. I don't genuinely like them. Genuinely, like don't like them. Some are better than the original. Like for some reason, I like Alien Ant Farm better than Michael Jackson Smooth Criminal, right? So it Tony Cash better than Trent Reznor. Yes, exactly. So they yeah. really oh, have. There's to be so good. many, but I don't like covers. I don't like music that tries to evoke an emotional response from you that somebody else did first, right? I don't like that. So I think she's a very good singer. She's good at guitar, playing the guitar. But some of her covers were the worst, the <laughs> absolute worst rendition. She sings <laughs> Gangsta's Paradise. And it's the worst rendition of that song I've ever heard. 
The her version of Smells Like Teen Spirit made me want to it's kill myself. Most our lives living <laughs> in a gangster Myself, dude. When she gets to like the the chorus of Smells Like Teen Spirit, I had to turn it off. I was upset. I uh, mostly because that song is down. so awful. Regardless, whoever sings it, that song <laughs> like regardless sucks. of what you pure think of hot that song, garbage. It's the worst version of that song I've ever heard in my life. Okay, so question. I want to preface this then. So my favorite of her covers was, prefaces. of course, the middle. We're, we're beyond prefaces. Uh, no more prefaces. Sound, sounds of Silence. I love that one of hers. And then... Uh, I like Disturbed. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Creep. Ugh. I like that one. Anyway. I like Radiohead's version better. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. You li- it's fine that you like them better, but I didn't, I didn't share her with you so that you would like her songs better than the originals. I will still like the middle of from Jimmy World more than I like hers. I was just intrigued by hers, and I wanted to get your guys' opinion. So I yeah, appreciate your, your take, Chris. I do. Like, I understand how you feel about, um, about covers, and I, don't, I actually agree with you on The Gangster's Paradise and Smells Like Smells Teen Spirit. Like Teen Spirit. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, this first time I listened to Smells Like Teen Spirit, I actually turned it off too because I was bored and just kind of annoyed with it. Because <laughs> it's a terrible so, song. Yeah, so, but the other stuff intrigued me, intrigued me enough song. to want to share with you. So, sorry to hijack your, your part. Go ahead. No, like, I was even talking to, to Jake about this, and I don't, I don't want to steal what he said. But he basically <laughs> but here said, I go. But I'm going to. Something like, <laughs> he said something like, she's, she'd be good to listen to, like, if you were waiting in the dentist office and it's on in the lobby and she's like, grocery store music. she's grocery store she's gross she's not offensive yeah it's it's music that you're not going to be upset that it's on yeah but it's also not music that you're going to tune into yeah okay so, so like if you if you did, if you had the option to change her you would but you can't so you can't be that upset about it <laughs> but jake said like, like i like her more than rihanna and i was like but rihanna is memorable what's her butt is forgettable what's her name yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's forgettable. Nice, nice joke. There you go. She's kind of forgettable. Yeah. So well, I, I even I, I thought it. I'm gonna have a rough time saying more than ten minutes about her because. So so I'll I'll take it from oh go ahead yeah since, I'm done. Go ahead, Jake. since uh, Chris unofficially threw it my way I'll officially take it. Um, Pref to preface just to preface I'm we're beyond prefaces Chris. Um, so like, like Chris said, I do, it's, it's grocery store music. It's, it's not offensive. I think she's got a good, her guitar is decent. Her voice is decent. I listened to a bunch of her stuff that wasn't her, um, covers. Yeah. I liked that stuff better than I liked her covers. Yeah. I almost always like original music more than covers. Uh, that's just because it's her. Like that is that's her expressing herself, not her expressing someone else. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now, her covers. I actually liked "Smells Like Teen Spirit" from her better than oh. "Smells Like Teen oh, well, Spirit." Well, that's easy. <laughs> like it better Nirvana. than Nirvana. Because I actually got to hear the words. That, <laughs> <laughs> I understood the words that were said. I was like, oh. That's what they were it's part of the charm of the old song, guys. You wouldn't understand. Oh, it's nuanced. Blow it out your ass. That's that's charm. I would blow it on my out my ass on your face, and you'd like it. <laughs> um, so charming. Nirvana, <laughs> so charming. Yeah, it's the charm. No, um, I did not. There, I mean, 
like you said, Gangster's Paradise was rough. <laughs> that was rough. I, I did not like her Sound of Silence. I liked it way better than Disturbed. I was Dis- joking, by the way. Disturbed Sound of Silence was hot garbage. So bad. But that's because I don't like Disturbed. Um, the middle was okay. Creep was weird. It, it just, there were some of them though. I liked those ones. I liked the middle. I liked Creep. I liked uh, Gangster's Paradise better than I liked her covers of songs like um, Say Something oh, and yeah. Royals. Plus, I don't like those songs anyway. Well, so Can't Help Falling in Love. Th- those songs, she sang them at the same pace and yeah. tone that the originals were saying in. So she was, tr- it, it, it that's my problem with with uh, covers, is if you're going to do a cover, you change that song as much as you can, mm-hmm. because if you do it at the same pace and tone as the original song, then it seems like you're trying to outdo the original, yeah. and you're not going to outdo the original. That's nope. just not going to happen, unless you're, well, see, Alien Ant Farm, they did it, it. They did it differently, yeah. and same with Johnny Cash. He slowed down Trent Reznor's, and it was so much better. Yeah. So that's where I had issues with some of her covers. Was it was just it was too much like I was listening similar in a row to, to her ones. playlist, and it was like Yellow Demon, Shut Up and Dance, Say Something, and I was skipping all these songs, just skipping it. <laughs> and then we get to Royals, and I was like, done. <laughs> just turn it off. Because Royals, the original by Lord, was okay. It was okay. It, it, that's another song that I'm not going to turn off. Like, I'm not going to be mad that it's on. I'm not going to tune into it. But If it's on, I'll change it. But sure. Kina Granis is not Lord. And she's not. And she, she didn't do it and justice she, at all. So And she's not Kurt Cobain. And she's mm-hmm. not Kurt. However, maybe she could be and then she'd be dead. And then, <laughs> Just joking. Um, so... Ultimately, my take on her is she's good. She she's decent. She's un- inoffensive. Um, but ultimately, you know what she reminds me of? Have you guys seen Yes Men? Remember that part yes. with the <laughs> band? Because <laughs> <laughs> she's new and weird. She's new and weird, and she frightens me. <laughs> oh God! That's okay. Great. That was good. All right, I, right, pass on to Reese. I guess I'll, I'll jump on this. Uh, I, have so, a f- I have. Let me let me say this. Yeah, I have a feeling Reese is going to be a little more kind than both Chris. I yeah. can't feel my face when I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let me let me preface this. We're beyond s- that. We're beyond oh, that. Oh, sorry, sorry. So Jeez. let me just say, I tend to agree uh, with Chris about uh, remakes. I don't tend to like remakes um, unless it's me first and the Gimme Gimme's because it's not even it's not trying to be that, you know, and it's just, hey, we're punk rock and we're going to do these songs that we like, but we're going to do it our way. Or like uh, you guys heard of uh, Real Big Fish Take On Me. Yeah. Or you guys heard of like uh, Timmy Timebomb, the lead singer of uh, of Rancid. Yes. Okay. I was like, I he does heard of some him, remakes though. of some old classic songs in a way that only he can do it, and it's right. pretty awesome. Anyway, that being said, I did not listen to your both <laughs> playlist. Uh, I, 
Troy's face, dude. Wow. He's wow. just getting <laughs> on today. I, I just went to my Google Play and put it on shuffle. And so it went through some of her some of her remakes and some of her original stuff. And the first song that it played was Creep by Radiohead. Radiohead is one of my all-time favorite bands. And I have to say, no one can really come close to Tom York's vocals of in that song. Yeah. I enjoyed her vocals quite a lot. I liked I liked it a lot. So right off the bat, I was like, dang, that's some cojones going after Creep. Tom York. Yeah. Like, wow. So that was like the first thing that caught me. And then I think the next song was one of her originals called California. I loved it. I thought it was such a great song. Um, then it went to some other song of hers that was just too uh, lip gloss and bubble gum. And <laughs> like, it was just, it was something like, I felt like my six-year-old daughter would watch on YouTube. Um, which isn't a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. It's just not for me. Right. But then, then we get to the middle, right? Yeah. Jimmy World is my all-time favorite band, and I would normally be hypersensitive to someone remaking one of their songs, but she did it. She slowed it down, made it her own, and I was like, okay, that was that was good. I like that. That was good. But then where she sealed the deal for me was when she went back to fifth grade, Casey and JoJo, all my life. <laughs> I didn't nail in the one. coffin. I was done. I loved it, and I was all in. Why didn't you add that to your playlist? I, to that. I didn't. I didn't see it. I was I'm all in on this person. Um, but she also did like "Can't Help Falling in Love" by yeah. Elvis. Like that Only takes fools some rush in, bro. That Only takes fools rush in. wise men. That say, takes some serious stones to jump on a song like that. Got rock solid ovaries on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there were some songs like I said that just weren't for me but I'm I'm in on what's her name Tina Grannis Tina Grannis I'm I'm in uh Troy I'm going to continue to listen to her because like cool. I'm I'm going to add all my life to my sex playlist because Casey and Jojo come so on You're going to have two songs on there now Mm-hmm. Instead of the Cantina song from... I have <laughs> 69, 69 songs in my playlist right now. All the Cantina song from Star Wars. <laughs> um, I liked it, though. I thought it was great. She was... Something I thought about with her is, like, she would be that person, that your friend that you hang out with, that brings a guitar mm-hmm. and plays. Oh, and so the dick. To- yeah. Exactly. No, 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 no. Oh, oh, not the dick. Okay. She's the person that brings the guitar and is actually good and writes oh, her okay. own stuff. Gotcha. And she plays it, and you go, "Man, I love this. This is this yeah. is great." And I, I think, I, I honestly think that hearing her live would actually enhance the experience a yeah. lot. That she had a few songs on there that were acoustic, stripped down. You could tell her, whole, she her entire music great, YouTube man. videos are just that. Just her. She her sounded just her awesome. And a camera. Yeah, so I think I think she I, I think if I were to see her live, I would have a completely different opinion. So I'm about to get sexist. Please don't. watch out. Uh, I tend to <laughs> not like female singers. Um, 
they have to because be, they're females or because of their voice. Well, because of their voice, because uh, okay. I just find um, no, I, I when was they sound say, too much like another person. I was going to really say like, like her. If you were to put her like on a like on a podcast session, you could see her like pitch. Her entire singing is like clear up here the whole entire time. Like it was hurting if my ears. If you can't life. see what Chris is doing, he's got his he's hand got his up, hand above, up his above his head, it was right above yeah. my head. Well, <laughs> so pitch. I mean that. So speaking of like female singers, like there's so many that sound so much alike, uh, but then like you go back like, like Janis Joplin, like singers that transcend what they are. I'm not saying she's transcendent by they any transcend means. Transcend their gender. I'm just saying that her her <laughs> vocals her vocals were unique enough. Uh, where I enjoyed them, um, not like not like cranberries, unique, not like sixpence, none the richer, nothing like that. But no, 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 no. But it was it was unique enough. It's not something that I hear on a regular basis. Where I I really appreciated her vocals. I thought she was great. Cool. Well, let me give a let me give a little last word. I I actually was expecting a lot of this, um, a lot of the kind of the blowback as far. I didn't actually know any of you guys' opinions on covers. Um, to be honest with you, I actually I really enjoy covers. I think when a when a band can redo another band's song and make it sound good, it's almost like you know paying homage to them and you know appreciating them. You know, and obviously there's some bad ones, but you know whatever. So, uh, but there were I I, I would agree with uh, with Reese's assessment where I just. You know, the, the one that hooked me, the one that got me was the middle. And I still want to listen to the one that you brought up as well. But, um, but I also listened to some others and thought this was garbage and then wanted to bring it up to you guys and see how you guys felt about it. So anyway, so should we do a, should we do a rating on that then? Uh, a four star, like we, or out of four stars, like we did with uh slender bodies. Is it out of four stars? Chris, go first. Uh, poop emoji. You really didn't like it then, huh? All right. No. Okay. So, uh, cool. Poop emoji. Got it. Uh, Jake, how about you? Um, out of four stars, I, feel like we I would give, give it, it. I feel like we have to have five stars to like accurately judge. Oh, can I change my rating then? Yes. Poop emoji. <laughs> okay. Two of them. Okay. Well then, out of five stars... I would give it one thumbs up and one thumbs down. Gotcha. <laughs> Reese? Um, out of five stars, um, she I would probably have to give her uh, three stars. I don't see that's pretty good. I enjoy I, I, I really enjoy I it. I translate that to like ten, so you're giving her like a six or a seven. Mm. I like the ten point scale way better than Wait, what's the Okay. Uh, what's the little purple emoji? Little the eggplant? Eggplant? eggplant. I'd give her the eggplant. Stand, you're standing up. So she's she's, she's so kind of cute. I, there's not many on this planet that you wouldn't give the eggplant to. You gave me the eggplant. True. <laughs> cool. So what would you give like, her? What would I give her? Yeah. Out of what? Out of five. Uh, emojis or five stars? Out of five or stars. Or, I'm. You know what? She's um, cute. I'm gonna out of five stars or ten. I didn't hear you, Jake. Five, five. Uh, I'll give her. I'll give her three. Three. Nice. Troy and I are right there. Three yeah. stars. So yeah, that I see, that's the thing. That, that's why I like, want to share. Is I wasn't. I'm not like in love with her. Side. I liked a lot of songs that she did, but I'm not in love with her. Like yeah. I'm not like. Oh man, you guys have to listen to her. I was genuinely interested in what you guys thought, but I 
she's yeah. she's cute. Three stars. Like she's legit cute. She got a little pixie haircut. Nice. Ruth is really getting into this. Yeah. Um, Definitely eggplant. Yeah, she's way cute. What's her name again? <laughs> Troy is not amused. <laughs> That's the third time he's made that joke. It's the not second. funny anymore. I made it the second time. No, it's the th- oh you made it the second. So it's the third time the joke's been made. But it's it's so funny. It's funny because we're making fun of you and your dick. That's why it's funny. <laughs> all right, all right, cool. Well, take a break. Let's. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was great. Um, let's take a break. Let's take a break. Okay. Yeah, bring us back, oh, baby. Okay. All right. Uh, and we're back. We're back, baby. And we're going to get into our, uh, I guess we'll call this IDAO. IDAO. I'll do anything once. I don't. Oh, I thought IDF. It's IDAO. No, we, did, we already did that, didn't we? No, we just oh. did the goat. Oh, no. No, we did IDAO. Yeah, we did <laughs> IDAO. Already. Now we're going to do goat. Full tards. Damn, dude. <laughs> Never go full, full retard. <laughs> we'll do, we'll do, do our mean, goat people? section. That's what we're going to do. We're going to do our goat section, which is one that I I said we were going to do last time, which is best cinematographers. See. So, this is a different one. And just to start off, I kind of want to go over a little bit what... This one seemed like it was very near and dear to your heart when we were talking about it. I just... Film is is a visual art. Yeah. And I love... And we all love film. We all love film. And we all love, like, beautiful pictures, beautiful films. And so I figured, why not mm-hmm. give credit or give the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Why don't we give the credit to... The Cold War Award, which is the most prestigious award <laughs> in the world. To to the people that, that capture those images, right? But the Cold War known. Jake knows quite, about, quite a lot about film. So Something. I went to film school. Yeah. But all that being said, um, so I went to, so yeah, I did kind of study that, and but I, I think everybody's pretty well um, knowledgeable about things like the rule of thirds and photography, and and I have no idea what you're talking <laughs> about. Ah, uh, yeah, the three pictures taken simultaneously. I'd, I'd say having a college degree is more than just kind of studying it. It's a little past that, but just. Yeah, just a preface. We're past, we're past, we're past the preface. We're past, we're past college degrees. So, um, but the, I, come on, guys, come on. So we, you're saying I, I just you're I, saying we know more than we think we do. I or, exactly. Okay, you guys know more than you think you do, and basically, what I'm hoping is that you guys looked at them and saw and like learn and or like you understood more why you like the picture yeah. being captured. You like it, but you don't know why. Okay. And hopefully, you, when you that's actually these, exactly how I went about this, doing this. Okay. Cool. So, um, the a cinematographer or a director of photography or a DP is the person. The person in the film they make the decision on what camera is going to be used on the film. 
They make the decision on what lenses are going to be used. They pick their gaffer, who is the person who's in charge of lights. So he, they, they pick a person who is going to give them the lighting they want. You do it for your old gaffer. Um, do it for the old gaffer. Um, <laughs> ham fest. Old ham fest. Old ham fest. Yes. Is it ham fest? I call him ham fist. <laughs> That's Weird. me. That's the old ham fist. The ham, fist. <laughs> ham hops, um, if you will. So they work out things like storyboards and shot lists and they, they, they build the look of what the movie is going to be. And then um, <clears throat> they are responsible for everything that's in the shot. They frame the shots. They, they do those things. Okay. So all that being said. Quick question, question. Jake. Jake. Yeah. Um, so with that, I mean, would you put the responsibility of even like um, – so it's everything visual, right? So even like costumes and, and makeup and all that stuff, would you put that under the role of the cinematographer as well? Like obviously no, they're not the like ones that are doing design, that, right? but that's their responsibility, right? They literally so they, have awards for like best, best costume. costume designer, best makeup artist. So cinematographer it has, it has control over everything to do with the camera and the lights. Okay. Now all of the lights, the, the, the gaffer is the one who's in charge of the lights, but the cinematographer tells the gaffer the look that he wants with the lights. Okay. So when, so. It, when it comes down to doing the look for the film, when it comes to costumes and all that stuff, that's not really the cinematographer's like decision. That's the director. That's the director. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So the, so the director develops what he wants it to look like. And then he works out with costume designers and the cinematographer and everyone so that everyone has a say in what, is put on the screen. Director is in charge of the shot as well, right? The cinematographer, yeah. So the, the director knows what he wants, and the cinematographer is the person who is able to get that for him. But more often than not, um, the director trusts the cinematographer. That's why he hired the cinematographer. So he allows the cinematographer to, to go out and get the shot, and he trusts that that cinematographer. So cinematographer is going to be doing angles and Mm-hmm. Like the big spans and cityscapes. Yeah. What what I read was that anything in the scene that you're seeing on the screen, it's that's his call. So anything that's in there is completely intentional, okay. unless it's yeah. like a light falling out on accident or like a, a boom mic or <laughs> something. Mic, yeah. But that's basically the gist of what I got. So with that on my mind, I I found a lot of cool stuff. Right. And there's a lot of directors that team up with a certain cinematographer. And they use them almost exclusively. Yeah. And I think the most popular duo is uh, Steven Spielberg and Janusz Kaminski. Um, Janusz Kaminski is a Polish cinematographer who teamed up with Steven Spielberg. And he did the movies with Spielberg. He did uh, Schindler's List. He did... Jerry Maguire, he did Amistad, he did Saving Private Ryan, Minority, Minority Report. Report, Artificial Intelligence, Catch Me If You Can, War of the Worlds, Munich, Indiana Jones, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Classic. The, the movie was terrible, but the <laughs> the photography was great. Mm-hmm. War Horse, Lincoln, um, he's actually doing Ready Player One. That's actually like, makes me excited. Yeah. His movies are gorgeous. His movies are absolutely gorgeous. Even like AI, despite what you think of that movie, that movie's gorgeous, gorgeous to look absolutely at. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So you got Janusz Kaminski and Steven Spielberg. You have the Coen brothers and Roger Deakins. Mm-hmm. You have 
Woody Allen and a guy named Gordy Willis. Okay. They basic, he basic, Gordy Willis did basically all of Woody Allen's movies, but he also did like The Godfather Part 1 and Part 2 mm-hmm. as well, which was fantastic. And then the Mexican directors and Emmanuel Lubezki. <laughs> Any Mexican director. Seriously. And many. You, you got all and, and Emmanuel Lubezki. And they, they work together to the point where you watch it, a movie that Kaminsky did. Mm-hmm. That wasn't with Spielberg, and it looks like a Spielberg movie. Oh, okay. But it's because it was Kaminsky. It's the same with Roger Deakins and the Coen Brothers. Roger Deakins did uh, did plenty of movies, and it, they look like Coen Brothers movies, but they're not, obviously. So it's just it's super interesting. So you, you see a lot of that yeah. in films as well, where the director has so much trust in that cinematographer that he allows that person to get. I get you. Yeah. So, um, what did you find, Chris? You want me to go first? Yeah. So, by the way, Troy, are you going to do Wally Pfister? Um, I have him as a notable, but not not as the goat. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, I mean, Wally Pfister, I mean, Pfister barely knew her, but he did Inception. He's another one of those. I just automatically assumed Troy would do him, and that's why I was wondering. No, I have him as a notable, but not a goat. He's in the closet. Pfister, I hardly even know her. Wally, jeez. Just said the joke. Wally Fisher I just is another one of joke. those that teams Gosh. up with Christopher Nolan. So Christopher Nolan movies and he Wally Fisher uses him. Too. Not yeah. anymore though. Not anymore. Because Wally Fisher, do, uh, Wally Fisher started trying to direct, and he hasn't really done anything lately. I think the last thing he did was Dark Knight Rises. Um, so now Chris Nolan does uh, goes with Hoyt Van Hoytema, if I'm saying that right. But Hoyt Van Hoyt. Hoyt Van Hoytema did. Dunkirk, and that was a gorgeous movie. And, and, and Interstellar. He did Interstellar as well. Wait, was that a gorgeous movie? Interstellar? Huh? Interstellar was, yeah, it was gorgeous. gorgeous. Yeah, and, Interstellar, gorgeous. Interstellar gorgeous. visually was gorgeous. amazing. Gorgeous, babe. It was gorgeous. Gorgeous. <laughs> He's on my okay, notable Chris, as well. Tell me what you tell me what you got going on. Alright, so let me take you let me take you on a journey here. Um I text Jake upon learning about this segment that we're gonna do. And I said, What exactly does a cinematographer do? Because I have an idea, um, and, he, and he told me that anything in the scene is up to them. Any kind of camera motion, the way the cameraman moves the camera, something like that. So I thought of the most like impressive scenes I could think of in a movie. And the first scene that came to my mind was a movie called Hard Boiled with Chow Yun-Fat. It's a John Woo movie. Great. And there's a scene in that movie. I don't have you guys ever seen this? Hard boiled. I it's love hard boiled. One of my favorite movies. It's a Hong Kong movie. Uh, one of the favorite move. One of my favorite movies, action movies ever. It was made in like 1989. And there's a scene in there where they're in a hospital, and for like 23 straight minutes, there's an uncut action scene. Dudes jumping through windows. There's blood gets splashed on the camera. And they just go with it because it's the best shot they probably did. And they probably did that scene like five or six times. Um, so that was the first scene that came to my mind. It was like the most impressive cinema bit, bit of cinema ever. Couldn't find the guy. I don't have Chinese Google or Hong Kong Google. So I couldn't find the guy. I could not find any Chinese Google, also known as Google. <laughs> but Google.ch or something at the very end. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I, I couldn't find the guy. I even tried. I even typed in, "What is Google in China?" And then the like, Google popped up. So yeah, you're right. Um, 
Anyway, the next scene that I thought of. Hey, Chris, was, I found uh, it. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> what is it? It says cinematography by Wing Hang Wong. like Wing, Wing Hang Wong or something? Wing Hang Wong. <laughs> yeah. And I, now, and I found that on IMDb. Was. So a lot, of, a lot of searching you did, man. Come on. Well, good luck finding more of his work because I did it in seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, look, I found it. It's anyway. right here. <laughs> oh, shut the hell up. Um, anyway, more stuff that I found. Uh, I looked up Mad Max. Uh-huh. That movie really impressed me with the cinematography. But that guy hasn't done much. Like other stuff that really popped out to me, like Prince of Persia and stuff. Mad Max was one of those ones, though, where you could press pause through the entire yes. movie and it was like a, a painting. Well painted. Yeah, it was fantastic. That movie is one of the most beautiful things I've it's ever gorgeous seen. Film. Gorgeous um, film. Especially so I, when the guy's jaw gets ripped off. Oh, I know. <laughs> beautiful. And by, by the way, let me, to preface, I think Roger Deakins <laughs> is the goat. I Absolutely. Blade Runner 2049, like some of the most beautiful stuff I've ever seen. But I wanted to find someone else to like give attention to, like a, like a shout out or something. Sure. So the guy Emmanuel Lubezki did uh, Children of Men, and that has one of those scenes too, like a thirty minute uncut action scene. Just wonders, gorgeous. Wonders. I, I love Children of Men for that. Um, next on my journey, I looked up. I started thinking of other stuff that really impressed me, like The Incredibles. I think The Incredibles has great cinematography. Like some of the best Pixar and Disney has ever done. But that got me thinking that that's an animated movie. What does a cinematographer do in an animated movie? And they sit down with the animators and they go over scenes and they go over what's going to go on the frame of your animated picture. So that got me thinking about Japanese movies, like animes. Japanese. Japanese anime. Christmas um, hentai. It's disgusting. My hentai. There's a TV show called Cowboy Bebop. And I love Cowboy Bebop. It's good uh, stuff. Shinchiro, Shinchiro Watanabe. I think that's how you say it. Watanabe? Watanabe. I don't know. He's not <laughs> Ken Watanabe. Um, no, he's, he's Shinchiro. Yeah, I think I thought Shinchiro. we were discuss that. We're past first names, Chris. Oh, sorry. I think I was saying it wrong. Watanabe-san? Oh, there you go. Shinchira-senpai. Okay. <laughs> Watanabe, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Uh, this dude is the director, and he's also the cinematographer on his own show. Now, Troy can't see this, and you guys can't see this at home, obviously. But I'm just going to pull up some of his pictures here. And the, the he did his own cinematography. He had, like, a consultant to help him. But this is some of the stuff that's, like, constantly in the show. Troy, if you want to just Google, I just did, like, Cowboy Bebop cinematography, and then I added an HD for its spice. But this is the stuff that is in the Super show. Super noir. Just, like, oh, the whole show is. It's fan, it's there, gorgeous. There's, it's like uh, Pokemon. There's jazz music playing in the background the whole time for every single scene. See this right here? Oh, that looks dope. That, yeah, the whole show incredible. is like this, dude. Like, it's gorgeous. You see it? Yeah. yeah I, I searched it. Did a good yeah, this part right here is like they're fighting in a church like towards the very end. But mm. I watch the show mm. once or twice a year. Mm. Like, <laughs> it's it's like some ball. of the most beautiful stuff I've ever seen. But it was. Good. I'm glad that I looked this up though, because I never once thought that a cinematographer would be on an animated movie. Yeah, I never thought about it. But That's awesome. yeah, this show is like Blade Runner and Guardians of the Galaxy smashed together with like with neo noir jazz music playing in the background the whole time. 
It's amazing. I love the show. So this is the this is my answer. Somebody who I I don't think is going to win, but somebody I really wanted to just give attention to. Yeah. So if you if I ever want to look up Cowboy Bebop, uh, cinematography. Also, a guy I skipped over. I think his name's Christopher Doyle. He did the cinematography for Hero. The, I have, the Hong Kong, Hong, I have, Hong Kong I have, movies. I have him on my list. <laughs> hey, you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's that's he was part of my road to get here too. Because I watched a documentary last night that he made about Hong Kong cinema, and he just had a little GoPro and just drove around Hong Kong in a taxi, just filming stuff. It was gorgeous. Nice. Nice. So, yeah, dude. So I think I think that. I have a feeling that, that that's going to lead straight into what Reese has to say. Oh, cool. Judging, <laughs> judging from his reaction to your last guy. Did you already do Doyle? Were you going to do Doyle? Yes. <laughs> Were you? Yes. Yeah. So I picked this so, guy over Doyle because right. I think that was okay. better. All right. So I kind of felt like Chris. I, I felt like a little bit out of my I didn't really know exactly what cinematographers do all the scope of their job but uh my introduction to what i i guess i what i gathered cinematography to be and how important it can be to a film was hero uh, 2002 i saw that movie in the theater and it, you're making fun of me making fried rice no, jokes right now it freaking it changed <laughs> my world man that was the very first time i came out of a movie you're like, that movie and gorgeous. it was like that was beautiful did he do uh crouching tiger hidden dragon no too? no so here's the thing house of flying daggers i doubt it i think he did do that i'm one. not sure I'm, i didn't i didn't look that far okay sorry <laughs> i did i did my, my research so well so i, I was actually homework. gonna so coming into this i was actually going to go with roger deakins as my goat yeah. but i felt like it was a little bit obvious and as we were talking about this i decided to make christopher doyle my goat because He's the guy that movie really got me into film, like really got me Jones up, like jazzed up about it. Yeah. Um, but like watching Hero, if you've never seen Hero, there's a fight scene between Broken Sword's uh, servant and. Um, uh, Is that the one where it's all in their head, like they're thinking no, about it? No, well, no. Well, that one's no. really good. So Broken Broken Sword's servant fights. Um, Skies, whatever her name is, Broken Swords, wife or girlfriend, and they're in the forest, and they begin, and all the leaves are yellow, and the, oh, the yeah. leaves are like blowing around in the wind with the sword, and like it's it's beautiful, but then suddenly one single drop of blood touches the ground, and all the leaves turn red, every single leaf, and it blew my mind <laughs> if i had seen that movie on acid i like i never would have come down like it was that scene but so much about it like at the end when you kind of come to the entire scope of the the story it's climax i guess you could say and there's there's a scene where broken sword and his woman they die and they're they're on this like cliff in this desert mountain area. There's yeah. no trees or anything like that. And the wind's blowing. And it's like this entire, the culmination of this story is basically summed up in this sh great shot 
of basically nothingness around these two broken-hearted lovers that have just died together. And I, oh my, I have the chills <laughs> thinking back about this. This is my this is one of my all-time favorite movies uh, because it opened my eyes to film, to what it can be, and really what it should be. Um, but yeah. going into some other things that I thought about in in some of these cinematographers. Wally Pfister, uh, I started thinking about some of the movies he's done. The Dark Knight Trilogy, uh, Memento, The Prestige. Just watched that two nights ago. It's a good movie. I Steve's love that great. movie. It's a great it's movie. It's a great, great movie. But did you love I'm it? Sure did you love the movie or did you love the cinematography in that movie? Was it Both. a great movie? Both. It's a great movie, but the cinematography, the shots, the forest with all the hats movie? in the middle of the forest. Mm-hmm. Like, such a great shot. David Bowie? David Bowie? <laughs> Yes, um, but it doesn't also, matter who the cinematography is. You got David Bowie. It's true. In that shot. It's gonna look but good on a scene. Inception, yeah. right? Inception, Inception might be his his like crown jewel. Yeah, his, uh, it's amazing. Magnum but Opus. His, yeah, now here's the thing: his Beethoven's Fifth. Here's the thing, and I hadn't thought about this until I was doing the research on it. The Dark Knight trilogy. Think about the lighting throughout all three films. The Thinking first is very dark. The second it's also one, really brown too. Slightly lighter, more light. The third one, almost everything is in the light of day. Yeah. So cool. Such an awesome concept for a cinematographer to follow. Yeah. And and so for that, I was like, okay, that dude, at, it's because he kept rising. Incredible. He was rising yeah. towards the sun. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Um, no, but seriously, that's so amazing. But the, the way that he uses light in all of his movies is astounding. The like the scene in The Dark Knight when the Joker is uh, has taken the police car and is driving with his head out the window. Oh yeah! Wow. Yeah. Wow, that <laughs> scene is astounding. You know what I like about that part too is to say is that the bomb went off and there's a ringing that you hear in your ears. And then it keeps yeah. going oh, throughout the so whole scene, cool. even so with the Joker cool. sticking his head out. Your ears are still ringing. Yeah, I love it. So you like want to know what that guy did, and he's out there like laughing about it. Yeah, such a cool scene. Uh, another honorable mention: mention uh, Jao Fernandez. Never heard of him. Um, did things like uh, Deep Throat, uh, The Devil, and Miss Jones. Um, I think we can all appreciate these fine films. Deep Throat. <laughs> The cinematographer of porn? Is he the very first one? <laughs> no. Come on, we can did all he, appreciate these. Did he right? do Debbie Does Dallas? Uh, no, it looks like he's done. He did Deep Throat. He did The Devil Wears The Devil in Miss Jones. The Hills Have Thighs. Land of No Return. Ram Bone. Blood Rage. In Deanna Jones. The Prowler, Cults, uh, which was a cult slasher film. Fourth entry. <laughs> fourth entry. <laughs> where's, the, where the, where's the fourth? <laughs> uh, he also did uh, uh, numerous Chuck, Nor- Chuck Norris action films. So already he's dope. Um, yeah. So, Chao Fernandez. Joe honorable, Fernandez. Nan- honorable mention. Nice. Thanks for that. Nice. You're welcome. Here, Troy. Take us uh, away. So I, I did something similar to uh, to Chris. Like I think that the goat is uh, Roger Deakins. Um, I mean, movies, Skyfall, Shawshank Redemption, 
Blade Runner um, 2049. Anyway, just just great, right? I, I, I can't really not have him as the GOAT. And I read somewhere that he didn't win uh, cinematographer or, or director of photography like an Oscar. He's never won it? Has he not? Is that still correct? I, I don't follow to. that crap. Is that still correct? He, he's, he's never been, won. He's been nominated 12 times. That is insane to me. now. That he has not won. And never won. Anyway, okay. I don't think but he I, wants to win. I do have yeah, some uh, some notables here that I wanted out. to um, that I wanted to bring up. Um, the first on my list is uh, Hoyt Van Hoytema, um, which we already mentioned. He did uh, Dunkirk, Interstellar. Um, I think he did another James Bond movie. Um, uh, Spectre. Anyway, great, uh, great cinematographer there. I have the John Seal. The world is not enough. I have John Seal, who Chris already mentioned for Mad Max and Prince of Persia. And then I have um, on here somebody I want to mention is uh, Cesar Charlone. And he did uh, City of God. Have any of you seen that one? Mm. I, I like City of God. It makes me hate Brazil even more. <laughs> it is, By the way, I hate that Brazil. That is such a gorgeous <laughs> film. I don't hate Brazil. That one, to me, when I saw that one, like, because it's all subtitles, it's all, you know, when I saw that movie, that to me was kind of like what Reese felt when he watched Hero was just like, okay, this is. You can really do some great stuff with film. Um, also on my list was Christopher Doyle. Um, and uh, another one is Guillermo Navarro. And he is the principal cinematographer, director of photographer, director of photography with uh, Guillermo del Toro. So you're talking about movies like Hellboy 1 and 2, Pan's Labyrinth, Pacific Rim. Um, just some amazing, visually awesome, incredible movies. Um, and then, of course, I had uh, Wally Fister on my list as well. But I have to give the goat to uh, to Roger Deakins. Right on. So is your pick Roger? Yeah, I mean, okay. If I'm if I'm going to pick the goat, like the one that's at the top, it's got to be Roger. If I'm going to pick the I was one, I'm going to say like it would be a crime to not say he's the goat, right. Just because we think everybody else will pick him, like he's obvious. Right. But when you when you <laughs> want to talk about movies that I felt an emotional like impact, I. You yeah. know, like like what Reese mentioned, I have to put uh, Christopher Doyle on there. I have to put Hoyt Van Hoytema, and I have to put um, uh, Guillermo Navarro on there. I thought Pan's Labyrinth was, I mean, I need to rewatch it again. It's been a few years, but I thought that movie was that movie. visually just stunning. Um, but those those cinematographers are like just, you know, and those ones made me feel something. Like and that's kind of what I look for when I look it. for cinematographers is... Uh, you know, those, those guys that make me feel something. Also notable is uh, Ellen Curis. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. She did uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, oh, that's another one movie. that was yeah. so visually stunning. <clears throat> anyway, so, but again, those those guys don't get the, the goat for me only because maybe some of them don't have a huge list. Like Hoyt Van Hoytema's list of, of great movies, although they are great, isn't that long, you know? Um, so I, I just have to put Roger Deakins up there as goat. I want to, I want to make a mention of someone, a, a cinematographer that did one of my favorite films, but just a whole slew of crap. Because out, <laughs> that, I, I think that that's something we haven't talked. That about. was it. Was I, I wanted John Seal, and he hasn't done anything great. So Shelley Max. Johnson, she did the cinematography for Hidalgo. I love that movie. And I think it's Is that beautiful. the horse movie? Yes. Yeah. I think it's absolutely beautiful. But she also did things like, uh, let's see, Jurassic Park 3. Uh, the Last Castle, very well done, actually. Sky High, The House Bunny, The Wolfman, uh, Captain America, The First Avenger, 
the Expendables too. Wait, so you're you're picking this person just off of Hidalgo? <laughs> yeah, because like <laughs> I love Hidalgo and I love the cinematography of that movie. I haven't. So I, I wanted forgot to see what else Hidalgo. she did, and yeah, it's mostly crap. So I so thanks for that, man. I need to add. I need to add one more as well to my list. Is uh, is Larry Fong? Um, and Larry Fong did three hundred. Uh, he did Watchmen, Super Eight. He did Sucker Punch, Batman vs Superman, and Kong Skull Island. So obviously some movies that you don't like in there, sure, whatever. But visually, all of those movies I just named are amazing. Anyway, I'm done. Uh, so now, now going into that as well. The cinematographer is restricted by the director as well. Yeah. So the director might not care. So he did about. Batman vs. Superman. He's like, can you make this a little brighter? And Snyder's <laughs> like, dark, motherfucker. You know, it, you might not have liked it because it was dark, but regardless of it being dark, it was like still a gorgeous movie. movie. It was still an amazingly like shot movie. So, so a lot. I think a lot of the cinematographer's best stuff can end up on the editing room floor. There's yeah, a lot of ways that, that like a great cinematographer, like Reese was saying, what, what was her name? Shelly Shelley Johnson. Her name is, Shelley Johnson. Uh, what's her name again? Kina Grannis? Kina Grannis. <laughs> <laughs> so she, a great cinematographer can have their stuff kind of yeah. cut apart and, and torn up. But, so, I have... I think I think it's pretty well unanimous between all of us. The Robert Deacons, number one, yeah. top of the mountain. Like he's, it, we're giving him our icy arrow. Yeah, the icy, <laughs> the icy mm. arrow. It, mm. it's, you can't argue with it, really. Like it's just Blade Runner, so beautiful. Is the best. Oh, it's so beautiful. However, a lot of the thing when you look back. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you a the story. No, there's a documentary on Netflix, actually, that you can... Or not Netflix, on YouTube that you can go watch. The documentary is called Visions of Light. Um, is that the one in the ocean? With the plane? Is that the one? What? The English patient. That's what you're thinking. No, there's... What? No. I watched a documentary, and there was like... Watch a documentary on Netflix... This is a documentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and no, 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 it was yeah, about yeah. photography. It was and about the English guy <laughs> crashes his plane. No, 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 no. And Shakespeare was... falls in love with him. <laughs> no, wait, you're talking about Shutter Island, right? Paltrow's way naked in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I watched a documentary on Netflix, and I think it was this one. It's about cinematography, dude. I know no, it's not on Netflix. It's on YouTube. You can't oh, find no, it on Netflix. Then. Because I watched something on the airplane. <laughs> what is going on? Um, <laughs> no, Visions of Light. It's a documentary made in like 98 or something like that okay. about cinematography. So it talks about all these old cinematographers back from like the 60s and 70s. It talks, well, it goes through like the beginning of cinematography. So you, you get. That did Lawrence of Arabia? Is he in there? Yeah, no, they talk about all those guys. That that dude. Lawrence of Arabia is absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. If you look up stills from Lawrence of Arabia, it's amazing. That, that one of those first shots when it's just, especially when you see it in the theaters and it's on the big screen. Which I never did, unfortunately. And, and it's just 
desert, and then this tiny little yeah. camel yeah. is walking along. And it's like, oh yeah, the my big gosh. Ass mountain behind him. It, like it is un- stuff like that. It's unbelievable. Um, but so cinematography had its had its way for fifty years. Yeah. And it was very, it, I mean, there was people that did th- things differently, but it was very, very kind of rigid almost. Starting in the 60s, you had a bunch of guys come in and really kind of just throw a wrench in the system, break all the rules. And so these guys are, you got people like Laszlo Kovacs, who did Easy Rider and Paper Moon. Great movie. Great. Yeah. Easy Rider is awesome. You have guys I like. like Paper Moon. Yeah, you got guys like Gordy Willis who did those Woody Allen films, Godfather One, Godfather okay. Two. <clears throat> William Fraker, who is, he's got quite a list with Bullet, nineteen forty one, Rosemary's Baby, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, Tombstone, The Freshman, some really great films. There's a shot in Rosemary's Baby where. Um, it's in that documentary. There's a shot in Rosemary's baby where an old lady goes into the other room and she sits down on the bed and is talking on the phone and behind the, her face is just hidden. You can see her from the side as she's talking on the phone, but her face is just behind the door jam. And when I first saw the movie and mm-hmm. I first saw that scene, I moved in my seat oh. to look around the door yeah. and the person I was with did the same thing. And you can't see around the door. It's an image. It's not going to change. Right. So it, that's that's a way that a cinematographer can manipulate you physically while you're watching. It was absolutely William Fraker, man, the guy. Uh, you have guys like Haskell West, Wexler, Vilmos Zygmunt, uh, John Alonzo, who's that, Michael uh, Chapman. Who's a Swiss guy, this Nyquist? Nyquist? You know who I'm talking about? Um. Yeah, I, I saw a lot of people use him as a reference for lighting a face. Like nobody lights a face better than this guy. Yeah, he did the movie Persona. Persona. Yeah, I don't check it out. Yeah, so I mean, you got like Heskel Wexler did in the Heat of the Night, and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, the Vilmos Zygmunt has Close Encounters of the Third Kind, The Black Dahlia, The Deer Hunter, Deliverance. Maverick, movies. Ghost in the Darkness. Maverick, the mm. Mel some, dude, some mm. great Ghost in the films. Is like, that's, that's a good movie. movie. Michael Chapman had Raging Bull, Taxi Driver, The Fugitive. Some really great ones, man. Uh, but and then, like all you guys said, like we've already talked about Janusz Kaminski, uh, Emmanuel Lebeski. Um, you guys had some really great guys. I mean, but. Really, it comes down, as far as the GOAT cinematographer, it comes down to a tie for me with Roger Deakins and a guy named Conrad Hall. And Conrad Hall, he had Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Tequila Sunrise, American Beauty, Cool Hand Luke, Marathon Man, Road to Perdition, just some fan. And, and I mean, that covers 30 years. Yeah. And and he was one of the best for 30 years. And it's him. He's one of the guys that didn't invent, but, but made it okay to have things like lens flares, where those things were seen as mistakes. And 
things to be cut out. Whereas J. he J. Abrams embraced him. Yeah, J.J. Abrams has a wet dream every time he watches the Conrad Hall movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's fan. Um, but like, like I said, Roger Deakins. I mean, it goes without saying that guy. Skyfall might be one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. Um, it's just not a very good movie. <laughs> so screw you. Uh, Sicario was another one. Sicario, Sicario was a gorgeous right. film. Uh, Prisoners. Great. I talk about that movie all the time. That's Prisoners the one is with a Hugh Jackman. Yeah. yeah. I don't that, know why I talk Prisoners about that movie a lot. Prisoners is rough. It's, it's like the feel bad rough. movie of the year. It's yeah, like, but wow, it's a rough one. But it's so powerful, and Jake Gyllenhaal killed it. In that he movie. did, and Super it's gorgeous. Movie. The movie is shot so yeah. well. It's. I feel gorgeous. like Jake Gyllenhaal probably would have won an Academy Award by now had he not done Prince of Persia. That steaming hot pile of garbage. <laughs> Cinematography by John Seal. Cinematography have, was fine. The movie was awful. You have like movies like The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward, oh, by the Robert Coward. Ford. Yeah, yeah, that's a good movie. That's, that's that one, a good soundtrack, too. It's a gorgeous that's film. That's considered to be one of the most beautiful films ever made. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like by Deacon's. us or yeah. by, like a by people, just like people, people way smarter than they. us? Oh, you're they. You got... Jarhead. Jarhead's Ooh, actually a good-looking good yeah. movie, despite it not yeah. being a very good movie. Beautiful Minds. You didn't like Jarhead? Um, the movie that it. we've all talked about. We've all talked about that one movie that kind of made us realize that movies can be beautiful, and that's Oh Brother, Where Art Was about. it Richie Rich? <laughs> I thought you were going to say um, Big Lebowski. Oh, that movie. But, well, so The Big Lebowski is one that I didn't see till later. Oh, really? But the but oh brother, oh, brother where art thou sure. was one, and that yeah. was the first movie, first big movie that used computer color correction in it. I love the opening scene. It's in so the good. Big rock candy man. Yeah, it, and yeah. it's the 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 with the guys on the on the push well, thing when they're and, running through the yeah, and they the keep falling down and getting falling, up, yeah. and then they get on the train. Beautiful, dude. Yeah, so good. So now he, like I said, he's one that worked with the Cohen brothers. Uh-huh. They worked with him almost exclusively to the point where Bardo. he, they had Bardo him the with, um, where is it? Barton Fink, uh, the Hudsucker Proxy, Fargo, the Big Lebowski, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, uh, Intolerable Cruelty, Lady Killers. Uh, no country for old men. Ooh. I mean, so that brings up an interesting point, however, Jake, because true a movie grit. like The Big Lebowski is a movie that I love. You know this; mm-hmm. it's one of my all-time favorites. But it's not one that, when I think of it, I think of the cinematography. I don't, and it's that's hit, and and that's that's and, what I think is really cool. It's the little subtle nuances, the little things that you maybe they maybe don't stand out to you. They maybe don't jump it jump off the screen to you. But had it been someone else, it might have been a completely that's, different. That's film. what I was going to say too. Is that when the cinematographer is so good, the whole point of him is to, for you not to notice how good it is. It's like when, when he frames somebody well, you're supposed to flip pay attention to that guy. But when you go, man, that cinematography is really good. It can almost be distracting. Mm-hmm. Roger yeah. Deakins is so good; it's almost distracting. Like when I was watching Blade Runner, I was like, "This is distracting. How gorgeous this work of art is." Yeah, 
Now, when you're saying the Big Lebowski, that's, yeah. there's shots in that. Like when he's high, you know, when he when he goes yeah. and he's going Amazing. through the girl's legs. Yeah, that's great. And, those are great shots. And the and it's 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 the cinematography in that that is it's so subtle mm-hmm. and it's almost makes him invisible. Mm-hmm. That's so great. Yeah. yeah. And and so you don't notice it. You you notice how beautiful the scenery is and stuff, but yeah. when it's all said and done, you you didn't notice the cinematography and that is the mark of a true artist in film. Yeah. That's what you want. Like editor, you want the editor editing to be seamless so that you don't notice it. Yeah. That kind of thing. Cinematographers is the same way. Well, so that brings it brings up an interesting point as well because you think of a movie like The Revenant where it's a great film. Like uh, the acting was outstanding. The script was great. Yeah. It was, I, I loved that movie. The cinematography, so distracting yeah it's but it's like it's amazing but it's like you can't watch that movie and not be like whoa now they almost for that movie they almost designed the movie to be that way yeah no they didn't they didn't use it's all natural lights they didn't natural well the exactly the gaffer noon every day for like well not noon they it's called the golden hour which is 20 minutes before sunset oh okay so nuts it took them Nine That's months like to the point yeah. where all the snow melted in Canada. They had to move they the entire to... production to Argentina yeah. and then film it there where there's snow. Like mm-hmm. it, that Which was movie a has a lot for Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> so we can bitch about global warming. Yep. <laughs> right. Um, snow in the summer. But that, but so that, that's, that's a interesting conversation to have is the, is the cinematography being so beautiful? Cause the, is it bad or is it good? Because yeah. if it, because most of the times when you when you get pulled out of a movie when you break your your immersion suspension of disbelief yeah. to admire something, it's a bad thing. You want to have your suspension of disbelief last through the entire movie. So, is it a bad thing to have cinematography so good that it breaks? Your I think suspension only like disbelief? people like us would even notice. So, like. You know, like if if a scene is gorgeous, they go, "Oh, that's really pretty." Like, over over analytical just, assholes, is that what you're saying? Yes, yeah, us. I, I really think it depends. Like if the if the cinematography is is something that's astounding, and the rest of the film is just like blah, then it's a then it's a problem. Like Skyfall, because that's agree to that's on that. not. Uh, so, I think they it's have things to be evil. like they have it's to rise up. It's things like Wonders, mm-hmm. where like Chris was saying, where they do a continuous shot and never cut. Mm-hmm. That can be distracting yeah. because people, when I went and saw Spectre, the James Bond film. Awful. Awful film. <laughs> I, loved, I loved Spectre. So bad. But when you watch, when I went and saw Spectre, that movie starts with like a three and a half minute long wonder mm-hmm. where it follows him through the streets and through the hotel and up and into his hotel room. Mm-hmm. And then he starts fighting with the guy out the window and down the rooftops. And then finally, it was a great, it, was it great. cuts. Um, now that can be distracting. And there was a point in that one shot where I, I was in the theater and went, this is one continuous shot. This is gorgeous. So sometimes that stuff can pull you out of the movie. Uh, Steven Spielberg is like one of the first people that really hit the the wonder hard. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's obviously not the first person to do it, but he's one of the, one of the first 
I mean, Emmanuel Lubezki, we were talking about The Revenant. He did Birdman and that whole movie. His base is one shot. Yeah. Made to look like one. Anyway. I mean, well. It's cut to look. I mean, the, the, the still, shot. There's a lot of scenes that are one shot. That one or at the beginning of, uh, at the beginning of Spectre is three shots. Yeah. And if you're watching, you can see it. That if ever they, if ever they zoom in and someone passes by the someone camera, by it's like, a, it's like a cut. Yeah. Right there. You can tell what you can tell when, sh- when things are cut. But that's that. It doesn't take away from how impressive it is, and yeah. so these these uh, so it, these oneers that are super long, they can be distracting while also amazing and delighting you. And ultimately, when you go see a movie, isn't that what you're looking for? Yeah. Is yeah. to be taken away. Like, I was gonna so, say like it, it's not a bad thing. It, it can be distracting if you notice good cinematography, but it really makes me appreciate the work that went yeah. into the movie. Absolutely. Shout out to my favorite one of all. Go back and watch it if you haven't. It's the uh, second in the Pink Panther series, A Shot in the Dark. Right near the end of the film, there's a, a scene where not only... Do, it's not really anything like what we're talking about, where the camera's <clears throat> moving and everyone's... There's a lot going on. It's just one shot. It's got to be like four minutes long. But you will see how incredible Peter Sellers actually was. <laughs> Peter Sellers is he, amazing. He destroyed that scene. It was amazing. Go back, do yourself a favor. Go watch a shot in the dark. That's the best of the, all the Pink Panther films. It's I'll hilarious. Do it. I'll do it if you watch Hard Boiled. I'll do it. Okay. I'll a watch four Hard minute long oneer with Peter Sellers on yeah. screen for four minutes and nobody cracked. Nobody it's broke. Bril- and it's brilliant. And he's like falling off the couch and like he's there's a line where he's saying like he's trying to say he killed her in a in a fit of jealous rage. He's like he he. He filled her in a, in a rift of Felis gauge, and no one breaks. He doesn't break, and it's it's incredible. Nice, no, it's nice. great. Yeah, go watch it. Cool. Yeah. Um, I like the way we finished that. That it doesn't. It's not bad because that's what you're doing. Yeah, that's what you're there for. You're there to enjoy a story. You're there to enjoy the pictures. You're there to enjoy the the movie. And if that adds to your enjoyment of the movie, then it can only be good. I, I had a question too for you guys, just because I feel like we listed a whole bunch of movies just in, like, just like kind of blew past beautiful movies just by mentioning them in one breath. Yeah. What was like the first movie? Because I know we all kind of said it, but like the first movie that you were like, "Wow, that's beautiful." Like hero. The, hero. Hero. Yeah. Like the. Because like the the very first time that I ever like super noticed something like that where a movie was just super gorgeous, so it was it was hero for me. But now that I've gotten older, yeah, uh, I, I can go back and watch films that I saw when I was younger. Yeah, like my so my favorite movie of all time is a made for TV movie. It's a four part series called Lonesome Dove. Oh, I was gonna say it's um, a Lonesome Dove. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's my favorite movie, and like I go I watch it once every year. It's twelve hours of movie, um, and. Uh, and the cinematography in it, the, 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 the shots, it's just, it's great. It's really, really, really great. So that's probably one for me now that, like, that makes me just appreciate. Just I can tell you, I, I can tell you the shot. Let's hear it. it. It was like, like I said, it was, oh, brother, where art thou? There's a part in the movie where they're, um, driving their car down the road 
and they find the black guy that plays the guitar at the crossroads. Tell, tell me how to play this guitar real good. Yeah. So they're at this crossroads, and it's this high shot looking down, this crane shot looking down at the crossroads, and the one guy standing at the intersection of these crossroads. And they drive up to And that shot, I looked at it, and I remember thinking to myself, they have so many options. They have all these options to go, and they pick this option. And I remember thinking, and I went, that was the thought that I'm supposed to, and that thought was evoked in me because of the image that I just saw. That's awesome. And that was the moment where I was like, that was intentional. They did that on purpose. And... After that, I that I've started watching movies with that and things that, like that in mind. Things like that in mind. Yeah. Now there is a set of movies that solidified my love of cinematography Lord and stuff like that. Is Lord of the Rings, and mm-hmm. those are movies that we that. those are movies that we brushed over. We yeah. Yeah, we, we never I don't mentioned. Even think we mentioned them. Yeah. No, like the part with the two statues, dude. When so dope. It took my breath away. First yeah, time. So I, I, I remember that moment too. Ooh, yeah. I was like, "Wow, that's like it gave me such a sense of scale." Like, this is Middle Earth is so much bigger. I have the chills right now. Yeah, it was remembering I, the first time I saw that. I've always loved Lord of the Rings, but Jake has grown my <laughs> love for Lord of the Rings so much. Where, where, like, I'm kind of a nerd about it now. Yeah. Oh. And I'm and I'm getting that way about Harry Potter now too. <laughs> like, like I've always liked Harry Potter, but now I'm like completely nerding out yeah. about Harry Potter. So in Lord of the Rings, there now it's it's in Fellowship mm-hmm. at the end when they're fighting the the orcs and Aragorn's up by the chair and he's fighting and they do this wide shot and you're looking almost through the trees mm-hmm. and you see um, Aragorn fighting with one. And Legolas keeps shooting the arrows, and then Aragorn is struggling. And you're seeing all the orcs running down the hill, getting past them and running down the hill. And it's raising nervousness in you that they're going to get to the hobbits. Oh, yeah. And you're also nervous because you're watching Aragorn getting overpowered by the by the orc. Lars. And, uh, <laughs> Lars. And uh, you've got... and the, But Legolas keeps just wrecking fools with his bow yeah and then he shoots the one that and i was watching that and i and and that shot right there it there's so much tension and so much emotion in that one shot that it that that's like the epitome of what good cinematography can do for your emotions in a movie yeah um sorry chris i kind of uh um Hijacked, hijacked your. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, I was hoping we'd say Lord of the Rings, because uh, that was one of them for me. Uh, I don't remember. I'm trying to remember specific release dates because Minority was... Report for me. Oh yeah, I think came out before Fellowship. It's I think. A great movie. But that was the first time where I was like, "This is gorgeous." Yeah. Like the part specifically where he's in that dirty, disgusting building apartment, whatever. And that guy is giving him new eyes. Huh. And you see stuff like this where yeah. he's like, I think, yeah, that's it right here. So we're like, but the lighting was just yeah. amazing. The way that they lit, the Seeing whole movie was lit. And the it, moment that I loved in that movie is when they're in the, the car factory. And 
he's like getting yeah the cars being yeah. built around yeah, yeah, yeah. him and the car comes off comes moves on the line and they're looking to see if he's in there and he like sits up that moment for me in minority report i was like whoa that's whoa. a cool shot <laughs> so it's yeah. good stuff but that that movie specifically like i kind of have a thing for like cyberpunk stuff mm-hmm. just like futuristic blade runner cowboy bebop uh, ghost in the shell stuff this is probably where it came from like this I, right awesome. here. No, I didn't talk beautiful. about Blade Runner 2049 much, but that movie... Astounding. It, it just came out like this year too, or last year, so it's it's hard to be like, yeah, it's the most beautiful movie of all time, but it right. might be the most beautiful movie of all time. And it's the colors, the lights, the... But also, the, the way The blues, that, the oranges. Even the beginning the with like the, Batista the and the sounds and the music are coupled with the cinematography. It's fantastic. Unbelievable. And so we're uh, we're a couple days away from the Oscars, and Roger Deakins is up for that one, and he's not going to win. He doesn't want to though. Like I don't think he does want to. I he's saw, on the he's on the Academy, and he votes. Yeah, and he'll never vote for himself. I saw uh, so Emily he, Blunt talk about him filming Sicario, and she was like, "He is so amazing, and he does not care." He's, she's like, "Like uh, he, just, he just loves." Denny Villeneuve went up to him and was like. Oh Roger, that scene's amazing. I can't. Yeah, it's okay. And he'll like leave and go hang out with like the Beatles or whatever. Like he's just a rock star. And he doesn't <laughs> he care. Does. He doesn't care, dude. Like he's so damn good and he knows it. That's and he's awesome. like, I'll give the recognition to somebody else. And he doesn't need it. No, he that's, got it. And he's the only cinematographer. It's a household name. No, you can't like the guy exactly. that Spielberg. No, yeah. he's Janusz Kaminski. Yeah, who knows who not Janusz Kaminski? I found name. out about him yesterday. Right, but. Roger Deakins, people say Roger Deakins and they know who, who yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. But he's never won an Oscar. Yeah. It's crazy. Because you don't need an Oscar to solidify your talent? Nope. That's a, that's a different conversation for a different time. For a different time. Speaking of different times. Yeah. What's, uh, what's coming up? What do we got going next week? I love that, that segue. That was great. <laughs> Speaking you of like another that? time. <laughs> so... For our IDAO, I have a... Uh, I'll do anything once. For our I'll, I'll do anything once, I have one for you guys. Let's hear it. And it's going to be my pretentious film school stuff. Because this wasn't? <laughs> I feel like this was just like a giant <laughs> stroke session for Jake. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Okay. So this is going to be... It's a foreign film that you guys get to watch. Yikes. I like foreign um, films. It's called Run Lola Run. Oh, I've seen that. Um, have you seen it? Yeah. I may have seen that. Yeah, I've seen Run Lola Run. I saw it on IMDb because it said Pull there was potential nudity. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, not IMDb. Uh, IFC, Independent Film Channel. Um, I've definitely heard of it. I'm not sure that I've actually so seen it. So the, the actress... I didn't know it was foreign. I thought oh, it was... Oh, she's the girl from... Franca uh, Potente. She's, she's uh, born, born Identity. identity. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I've seen this movie. It's a I'll German. It. It's a German film. Sweet. Um, Germans have been stepping up. They're the Netflix originals the whole that are Holocaust German. Thing they've been really great, dude. <laughs> they've been stepping up big time. One of the biggest movies ever made was a movie called Metropolis back in the thirties. Oh yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. And With it's das German. Boot? And it's Ger- seriously. Yeah. Das Boot. This guy Germans. Sense eight. <laughs> oh man. Germans are. They know what's up. 
they know what's check up. Check out some of the new series on Netflix that are German. Yeah. They're, they're dope. Yeah, that's, it's on my list. Isn't that uh, one on there the, called like Dark or mm-hmm. something? That's, yeah. That looks gorgeous. The, I haven't the, seen it. But. What is it? Ber- Berlin? Ber- uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something Berlin. That's the one that's on my list. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, Run, Lola, Run, German film. Um, okay, I'll watch it. When I saw it, uh, Franca, Franca Potente, she, the, she's the Is it on Amazon? Or? Um, I'm not sure if it's, it's on, on any, I'll, Amazon. I'll get it. It's or, fine. Yeah, you might have to buy it, but it's going to be it. like four bucks. Yeah, I'll buy it. Don't, don't, don't steal it. No one uh, steal I'm it. I'm not stealing anything. I'm buying it. Surprisingly, I haven't stolen anything yet since we started doing this stuff. <laughs> so, um, so that's my idea for next week. Or I like for next time, two weeks. And then uh, we're gonna do a, a new segment called we're, we're gonna stack them. Stack them. We're gonna stack the Marvel movies. We're gonna stack them in order of what we think is best, best to worst. We're gonna give our uh, our top three and our bottom three as well. Let's do top five. Top, top five? Because there's like 15 movies now. Okay. Yeah, top five and bottom three. It's going to be hard for me. Well, it's it's, gonna it's gonna be not so going to be easy to cut my children. It's hard for me not to say it right now. Because I've, I've been trying know. to do this with my, in my head just on my own. And I was thinking this would be a cool conversation. Because I want to do Star Wars eventually and stack mm-hmm. them up. Um, uh, yeah. But like hey. I was even thinking the specific movie is one of my favorites. So I'm like, it's not even in my top five. Hey, <laughs> also, just because I'm looking at Chris's computer screen. Do yourselves a favor and watch Billions. Um, that might be one of my most favorite. So I know. That. It might be one of my most favorite series I've ever Just watched. Just go make Billions. Um, Don't watch it. I know. Okay. So we'll come back in two weeks. We'll talk about Run, Lola, Run. We'll, yeah. And we're going to stack our Marvel movies. Marvel movies. Troy had to take off early, so he said he had an emergency to take off. But I'd like to give a shout out to Troy for telling us about uh, What's Her Name. Kina uh, Granis. Yeah, Kina Granis. Yeah, Thanks, Troy. Uh, that wasn't that. actually a joke. I honestly feel like Chris <laughs> didn't remember her name. Because well, I keep forgetting her name, Was too. it? Well, I don't know. You'll never know. <laughs> Hopefully, Scotty will be here next time. Hopefully, we can get all, all five of us yeah, together dude, Scotty. in one yeah. room I love that kid. at the same time. That would be great. But, uh, yeah, Scotty's got plans tonight that he had to be to. Scotty got to know. I was singing Scotty, that in my head. Scotty doesn't know. His girlfriend used to sing that to him in high school. <laughs> um, all right. Well, the, this is a Cold Bow Podcast signing off. Signing off. <laughs>